And basically, you got to know what it is that you want. But after that, whatever money and budget that you have, mm -hmm. buy the equipment that you can buy, rock it out on that equipment, mm -hmm. upgrade, rinse and repeat. In this particular industry, because, you know, you're always going to feel slightly inferior with your equipment. Like, oh, I don't have the Sony A4. I only have the Canon 7D. <laughs> or whatever, you know. And then and the Sony, I probably said the Sony name wrong because I'm not a Sony guy, but Noah is, so I'm learning. Boss Uncaged is a bi-weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners as they become uncaged trailblazers, unconventional thinkers, untethered trendsetters, and unstoppable tycoons. We always hear about overnight success stories, never knowing that it took 20 years to become a reality. Our host, S.A. Grant, conducts narrative accounts through the voices and stories behind Uncaged Bosses. In each episode, guests from a wide range of backgrounds sharing diverse business insights. Learn how to release your primal success through words of wisdom from inspirational entrepreneurs and industry experts as they depict who they are, how they juggle their work life with family life, their successful habits, business expertise, tools, and tips of their trade. Release the uncaged boss beast in you. Welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to the Boston Cage Podcast. On today's show, we have Paul D. McPherson Jr., the founder of ClickBox and professional photographer, better known as Biggie Pauls. Today, we discuss business scaling opportunities and uncovering hidden growth strategies. Let's jump right in. Welcome, Biggie Pauls. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the show. Um, S.A. Grant here. Welcome back to another episode of Boss Uncaged. Today, our guest, <laughs> it's kind of funny because he's a photographer and he's the first person I interviewed that brought in an entire ensemble of equipment and gear and also a cameraman with him to shoot a podcast. Noah. And Noah, yes. Appreciate you, Noah. Today, we got Paul McPherson, also better known as Biggie Pauls, and I call him Paul Guzman. So, how you doing today, Paul? I'm good. What's up? Thanks for having me. Pleasure, pleasure, man. I'm looking forward to the comedy that's probably going to be unveiled throughout this show. So let's give people a little bit of taste of who you are. Taste of who I am. Yeah, who are Meaning, you? Meaning. Who are you? Well, I'm a man. Oh, yeah. That's very true. I'm so. a husband. I'm a father. Okay. Yeah, my name is Paul. Uh, from North Carolina. Yeah, I mean, I'm a photographer. I'm a creative. I run a studio here in Atlanta, Ambient Plus Studio. When I say I run, I don't own it. I'm not the owner. There's a lot of things that I do there. And there's about three or four of us that have the same position. So we all run it. But when so you know, people are like, what do you do? Well, I, I run a studio. I help run a studio because they don't want all that, all the particulars. They don't need all that. So <laughs> what you guys are going to learn about Paul, he's probably the most modest person I'm probably going to ever have on the oh, show. Gosh. Okay. So you do own a company, right? So why don't you tell everybody about the oh, yeah. ClickBox? I haven't even talked oh. about my own company. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So I'm, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a photographer, like I said. I've been photographing professionally, I would say, since 03, when I graduated the Art Institute of Atlanta. Came down to Atlanta in 01, graduated in 03, and then from then, I just shot professionally, headshots mostly, events, things like that. About two years ago, I decided to open up a or start a new business, which is photo-related, 
with uh, photo booths, doing photo booths. And uh, I call it the click box, um, C-L-I-Q-U-E, the click box, the photo booth for your click. And yeah, we're doing well. I think we could be doing better, but I also don't advertise it much. I don't advertise it like I could and should. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing well for what I'm doing. As soon as I start advertising and going full on, full tilt, and I'm this slow, then I would say I'm doing badly. <laughs> but but I'm slow. I I take what comes to me, but I don't actively go get either. So it seems like you're 100% referral-based at this point, right? 100%. 100%. So define yourself in three to five words. You, I knew you was going to say that. Yeah, yeah. You told me to not even listen to the old podcast. <laughs> Because I'm going to ask you something different. I'm going to ask you something different. I already asked you three different questions that I didn't ask anybody yeah, else. Yeah, so. but everybody gets that question. Oh, yeah, yeah, they do. Describe yourself in three to five words. Ugh. That's a good tactic. It's not like you're stalling to build up this answer. It's a good approach. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it's it is. Approach. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think I'll go with what I said earlier. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a husband. I'm a father. And we're creative. Okay. Okay. And I know I said those in sentences, so there's more than three and five words. Mm-hmm. But husband, father, creative. Cool, cool. So you was telling me about that you own ClickBox, but then you also work for a studio. So what is the most bizarre experience that you've ever experienced in these environments while doing photography jobs? Ooh, bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> bizarre. So yeah. makes you think a little bit, doesn't it? It does. It does. So I have a friend. Her name is Angela. She's another she, monster of a boss as well. Yes, she's <laughs> definitely a boss. Yeah, Angela Murray. So she's AM, I'm PM. <laughs> but working with her I photo assist for her and other people as well but I photo assist with her and she had a client Stevie J and Jocelyn Hernandez and so that's how I met Stevie J the very first time through her working with her Okay, and we've worked I don't know two or three times and somehow Stevie J eventually re- reaches out to me he's like hey can you do this shoot and maybe he reached out to Angela first she couldn't do it. I don't know how he called me direct, but mm-hmm. whatever. I'm like, yeah, sure. We can do this shoot. Whatever you want to do. He's like, yeah, I want to do some body painting for one of my artists. I'm like, okay, cool. And you're talking about just weird and out there. Like, the communication was very minimal, like, to the point where I thought it was fake and it wasn't going to happen. But they showed up. I'm like, okay, cool. And they just do this body. And I do nude, fine art nude work all the time. But this was just just odd all together is this Australian uh, young woman artist. I believe she's a rapper. <laughs> Destiny Diamonds, Diamond Destiny. I don't mm. don't really remember her name, but yeah. So it was just this fine. This uh, and what I was about to say, fine art. It was just this um, body painting shoot that we did that was just fast, like no art direction, but we did it, and it was all right. It's on my Instagram. <laughs> what is your Instagram? Just my name, Paul McPherson Jr. Okay, so now we got to go and check and see what, yeah. what exactly happened on this set. That well, day. yeah, I mean, you're not going to see the stories. I didn't master mm. stories at the time, but you'll see uh, three posts on there. What made you get into this business? Because, I mean, obviously, I've known you long enough to know that you've kind of, before art school, mm-hmm. you was in a whole nother, you was like in law. <laughs> criminal justice. Yeah, yeah. So, criminal, I'm like, so how the hell justice. did you get from a criminal and criminal justice? To being a fine art photographer. How did that happen? So straight out of high school, uh, 96 is when I graduated high school uh, in North Carolina, Fayetteville, North Carolina. I went to college in Fayetteville State University, and I went to school for free. 
a full ride academic scholarship, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. Were you like a band geek or what? I still am a band geek, but yes, I was in the band. Uh, in high school in the band, I played football. When I went to college, I did not play football, but I was still in the band. And going for free, but not knowing what I wanted to do, made me try all sorts of majors. So when I was going to college, I don't know how it is now, but when I was going to college, they had this catalog book. Mm-hmm. And you look in the back of the catalog, and it'll say, this major, these are the courses you need to take. This major, and I would do that. So I was like, oh, okay, I want to be a history major. I'm going to do that for a semester. Realize it's a whole lot of writing papers. Didn't want to do that. So <laughs> and I was like, I do like science. I'm going to be a biology major. I'm pretty good at science. I hit chemistry. That was a no-go. But anyways, I ended up with criminal justice because by the time my junior year started, the only two majors that I could do, follow, and still graduate on time were criminal justice and political science. And political science was a lot more writing and papers than criminal justice mm-hmm. was. I took criminal justice. So how did that Like trans- process of elimination. <laughs> so, yeah, so how did that trans- translate to yeah, photography? Yeah. Sorry, it's a long story. While in school, all the you have all the activities and things. I'm mm-hmm. in band and all that. I went to a fashion show on campus and noticed there was this little pit where there were some photographers there. Uh, the school photographer was there, and this other girl, uh, Alanise, was there. And... Um, I believe, this is how I remember it, I believe I approached her after the fashion show. I was like, hey, you know, what, what is this that you're doing? How are you doing it? And she's like, oh, well, you know, I'm just here taking pictures mm-hmm. for fun. If you want to, I'll let you be in here with me next time. I'm like, okay, cool. So I got a camera. The very first one I did was a point and shoot. It basically was a glorified disposable camera. It was a Kodak, wind it up, kind of. Yeah, and I took some pretty good shots on that, and then that coupled with the credit card. This is before credit card mm. companies were banned from college campuses. <laughs> so the credit card company was on campus. I signed up. I got a credit card, went to Best Buy, bought an actual SLR camera. Nice. And I say SLR because I'm that old. <laughs> there were no DSLRs at the time. Well, define that. I mean, some people may not even understand what those abbreviations are. SLR is single lens reflex. And that's the okay. type of camera. Um, it's the camera that most people typically see. It has interchangeable lenses. Okay. Um, the mirror goes up and down. And so that's the kind of camera that you can change the lens and have a long lens and shoot telephoto or have a wide lens, lens and shoot wide. I got one of those, like a, a kit with two different mm-hmm. lenses on it, and I just had that for a couple of years. So what's your favorite camera? Are you like well, I'm, I'm a Canon guy. Canon guy? Gotcha. I started with the Canon Rebel. And really... Advertising has always worked on me. Mm-hmm. However simple or complex it is, I solely bought the Canon Rebel because of Andre Agassi Tennis. Those commercials. I was like, okay, cool. What camera do I need to get? Oh, yeah, that's, that's the Andre Agassi camera. I'm going to get that. Well, how did you tie? I mean, you're talking about like 20 years ago, right? So how did yeah. you tie those things together? Like It was like no real Google search engine. That's what I'm saying. I went to the store, and I saw the cameras, and I was like, um... Oh, so this is the marketing in the store had the picture of yeah, Andre. Yeah, but I've, I had also mm. seen the commercials. Gotcha. You know, they're on TV, like, just there. Mm. But Nikon, I say Nikon, where I'm finding out that it's Nikon, but whatever. Olympus was like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kodak. Co- yeah, yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah. I mean, Sony. Kodak was filmed, though. Yeah, well... And they, Sony they didn't cameras. exist. Sony didn't exist. Or if it did, it didn't exist yeah. in cameras. It was a Minolta back then. Was it? Yeah. In 2000? Two, because Sony took over they bought Minolta or they took it over I don't know huh. which 
But yeah, Sony got into the camera business from the company Minolta. Gotcha. I remember, I think it was like 2000, 2001 is when they had the digital cameras with the little CD drive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 All that to say, so Alanis is like, yeah, you can come in here. And I said, cool. Uh, did that with a little plastic camera. Then I upgraded to a, an SLR camera mm-hmm. for two years. On my last two years on campus, I was just taking pictures. I started taking pictures more and more at, mm-hmm. at the fashion shows. There ended up being two fashion troops, one split from the other, uh, Illusions Modeling Club and Black Millennium. Somehow I kind of gravitated to shooting more Illusions, and Alanise started gravitating to shooting Black Millennium. People on campus were like, oh, y'all are pitted. Like, they pitted us against each other. Mm-hmm. Like, But we're friends. The whole time we're, like, texting and calling, like, yo, so do you need help with this or how do you do that? Like we're all helping each other. Mm. And so that's basically how I got into cameras graduating. I thought I knew all the things like I was taking pictures. I was there all coming out good people doing little photo sessions with me. But yeah, I just thought I was shit really in Fayetteville, North Carolina, taking pictures on railroad tracks, you know, (laughs) (laughs) after college, I took a year off. I worked at Wolf camera in the mall. And I was a substitute teacher. And I started feeling bummy, a little bit bummy. Like, I'm not doing, I'm living at home still. I'm not doing anything. Mm -hmm. I need to break away. How do I do that? I need to go back to school. Well, what am I going to go back to school for? Well, I'm really good at photography. I'm going to do that. I'm going to learn that more so I can get in the industry, really. So I applied to SCAD when it was just in Savannah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Rochester Institute of Technology, Florida A&M, because they had a good photojournalism program. And the Art Institute, but the Art Institute of Philadelphia. Hmm. And I got accepted to all of them, but the Philadelphia school uh, accepted me first. So I was probably about three weeks from going there when I realized, oh, there's one in Atlanta. Atlanta's closer to my home in Fayetteville. Let me go there because it's just closer. If I need to get home, it's faster, easier. Not even the temperature thing like it's cold in Philadelphia. I wasn't even thinking that. I was just thinking about proximity to the house. And then, yeah, I switched and went to Atlanta. Like, literally the first week of classes, I realized I knew nothing. Didn't know about large format cameras. I mean, yes, I guess I had seen them, but didn't know anything about them. Didn't know nothing. So how long was that, like, from the time that you started playing with the cameras until now? We we always hear about the overnight success stories that take about 20 years to become Um, reality. hmm. How long did it take you to go from point A to point B? I mean, extreme point A is 98, 97, 98, when I was in college, got that first SLR camera, Mm -hmm. to now 2020. So that's 22 years. Yeah, that's a long time. That's a long time. So in those 22 years, I have my degree in criminal justice from Fayetteville State University. I have my degree in photographic imaging from the Art Institute of Atlanta. And I have just experience working on sets with many different people, um, some really big sets, some really small ones. So what would you do differently to speed up that process? I mean, because obviously in the beginning you were trying to search and trying to figure things yeah. out. So what would you do differently? Aside from not knowing what I wanted to do, because a lot of people don't know. Mm-hmm. So when you don't know, it's going to be hard to figure out how do you get to, to the top quicker. Yeah. You got to know, first of all. You got to know that's what you want to do. I want to be a podcaster. I want to be a graphic designer. I want to build cars. Whatever the case, you got to know that. But once you do know that, a lot of people who have gone to the Art Institute will say that it was a 
big money suck. <laughs> <laughs> it's a for-profit school. Oh, man. Um, they will say that. However, they will also say the education was good, too. I can um, concur to that because I went there. I've had this conversation with somebody else as well, too. It, I think it's more so building drones. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. You're like in a hive, and they give you your task, and you know how to do your task well. Yes. But you don't know how to monetize that task whatsoever. You don't know how to monetize it. You don't know how to deviate from it. Oh, no. no, no. You're, it's just yeah. right here. Yeah, if you, if you know how to press the buttons, <laughs> you're good. But the second you decide to, I want to press the buttons and I want to do something else, and then you kind of get lost in translation, and you have yeah. to kind of figure it out on your own. So definitely. So do you think it was beneficial that you went to school for what you do? Yes. I have to say yes. As, as much of a student loan debt as I have right now, I'm mm-hmm. still going to say yes because there's a lot of things that I didn't. Like I said, I I thought I knew a whole bunch of stuff at Fayetteville State mm. using that one camera with maybe two different lenses to going there, know, learning there's so many other cameras. And then it was kind of the dawn, if you will, of, of the digital age. So I didn't know anything about Photoshop. I didn't know, I didn't know anything. I had one class at Fayetteville State doing darkroom processing, which was the very basic, basic. Like old chemicals, they didn't process them out. They didn't recycle them out, mm-hmm. flush them out, really, and give you new stuff. Like I also worked at the school while I was going to school. And just having that behind-the-scenes knowledge and experience was like, oh, okay, this is what I need to do. This is how you do these kinds of things. So, so from the business aspect of it, do you come from an entrepreneurial background? I mean, like I think your dad was military. but Both they... my parents are military. And okay. so I would say, no, I don't come from an entrepreneurial background. Both of my parents are military. My mom retired as a major in the U.S. Army. And my dad retired as a command sergeant major in the U.S. Uh, US Army. And to my knowledge, that's all they did. And they how did, the hell they did didn't you have not it. end up in the military? Because <laughs> I'm a fat man. <laughs> Uh, no, um, um, in that year after college that I was like feeling bummy and not knowing what I was going to do, I actually did try. I went to a couple of recruiters. They're like, oh, well, you know, you need to lose some weight. Mm-hmm. My whole philosophy was like, aren't I going to go to boot camp and lose weight and lose weight at boot camp? Yeah. So, but, uh, they were like, no, we need you a certain weight first. Cause you, you're going to lose more weight and get you closer to what we need. Mm-hmm. But I would see people on base not looking like they're in shape. But, you know, they're also higher-ups, and they don't have to do as much stuff anymore, I guess. I I don't really know. But um, I did try. I looked into it a couple of different times and then just kind of aged out with age and weight. (laughs) It's cheese, age, and weight. Yeah, yeah. It's a good cheese. It's a real good cheese. It's it's not government cheese. It's really good. Blue cheese. (laughs) Oh, man. So how do you juggle your work life with your family life? I mean, I know you got a son now. You're married. Being a photographer, potentially, that means that you're probably in the we, road, right? We might need to talk to Tanya about that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> How do I do this? Uh, <laughs> sometimes very difficult because somebody's, we have a three and a half year old, so somebody's got to be home with him. And if neither of us are there, then we're paying for someone to be there, which means I need to be making more or much more than I'm paying out. Yeah, or it doesn't yeah. make sense. I just not do it. Or maybe it's a possibility that I can bring him, but being three and a half, he's unpredictable. So sometimes an iPad will satisfy him, and sometimes it won't. Yeah, put a he camera needs, in his hand. 
<laughs> I have done that, but it's my real actual camera that I use, so I can't leave it in his hand. I've placed it in his hand and helped him press mm-hmm. the button, but yeah, we don't have a toy camera yet. I guess I should get one. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I want him to be a creative. It was my experience. I mean, I know I'm doing this podcast right now talking about being how creative. To, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like I want him to be engineer, software, somebody. All those are creatives. Not necessarily. Some of them are very analytical. Yeah, but analytical comes with creativity. Not everybody's you. No, not everybody's <laughs> me. <laughs> You're the analytical, creative, I'm like, 50, 50. epitome. Yeah, I'm 50. But, it, I mean, you got to think about it. Even, like, Steve Jobs, for example. Steve Jobs was both, right? I mean, he was both analytical and creative. Yeah, I, guess. I feel like he was more marketing what? and analytical. Marketing is creative. Okay. I mean, literally anybody you can think about it, you can name a million people and I can show you how they were creative and analytical. Anybody that made it to that particular level, yeah, okay. that plateau, you have to be creative. I mean, Tesla, for example, Tesla wouldn't yeah. exist if he didn't Elon. bend the rules and become creative, right? So, it's a, right. yeah. Put the, put the, don't, don't, don't shortchange him. Put the camera in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> Let him decide, man. Yeah, I guess you're right. You're right. Let him decide. Let him decide, man. So, what's your morning habits, your morning routines? Ooh, morning routines these days? If I am not having to do something early at the studio, Rowan's waking me up. Or I'm getting up around the time that he's waking up, which is around 7, between 7 and 7.30. And, again, if it's a day that we don't have anything going on, I always have some kind of computer work to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, process somebody's files, work on stuff to be put on the on the website. or So, in that case, if there's nothing to do, we just kind of laze around the house a little bit mm-hmm. early. And then I'll get on the computer doing some work. And he has a trampoline in front of the TV. He just watches TV uh, and does a trampoline. And then he gets tired of that and on his own comes over by me, brings his little workbook, his little pre-K kindergarten workbook. I guess pre that's what the K and kindergarten. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> his little pre-K workbook over to me. And he has his little pencil. He's like, I want to write. I'm like, okay, well, let's write. So then he's we're writing and tracing letters, things like that. They don't get tired of that and go back. Oh, he's almost uh, that monastery philosophy that going on. Just let him dictate mm. how he wants to do things. I mean, unless it's TV all day, I, I will stop it at that point. I'll stop the TV, you know, after an hour or so, and then just see what he does. And he'll just start picking up some toys. He's starting with that imaginative play now, which people say, well, "Does your child do such and such?" I'm like, "No, he doesn't." I say, "Hey, I mean, started to be starting to worry." <laughs> But, no, he's, like, picking up the toys, and he's, like, talking. He's like, oh, yeah, I want you over here. It's actually pretty cool. So is that the routine every single morning? That, that's pretty, pretty much how, Pretty, pretty much. much. And if I have to go to work, at the studio, I'm allowed to bring him. Jason, the owner, he's worked with me a lot. He's been very accommodating. Hmm. And so I can bring Rowan and do a lot of the tasks I need to do at the studio. Uh, a lot of my tasks at the studio are at, at the computer. But I also give tours. Um, people are appreciative not appreciative they're accommodating as well but they can see it's a kid and they're it kind of brings smiles to their faces Mm -hmm. so i think it kind of helps the tours he's like our little studio kid hey guys let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsor support for boss uncaged and the following message comes from cerebral 360 cerebral 360 where your online strategies become offline reality cerebral 360 has over 20 plus years of successful marketing and unique brand development Contact Cerebral360 when you need instructive online success strategies. Learn more at www.cerebral360.com. Back to the show. 
Uh, <laughs> Does that work for you as far as like, I mean, having your own business, having the click box, right. Mm-hmm. And then working for a studio, is there a bridge between the two that they can piggyback and work for each other? Yes. So we have a vendor list at the studio, uh, mainly for weddings. Every now and then we got corporate events as well, but mainly for weddings, there's a vendor list of all types of vendors for weddings, mainly caterers, photographers, videographers, photo booths, mm-hmm. etc. My click box is on there. It's listed as the number one option. <laughs> I do have three other options. I have three options on there. Mm-hmm. It's a joke that I tell in the tour. They'll always ask, do you have any recommendations for this and that? And I was like, oh, yeah, we do. We have a list. And I usually show it to them on the computer. And I'll say, well, here's an example. Here are our caterers. And then I'll scroll down and I'll say, well, here are our photo booths. This one right here is really good. The first one right here, the ClickBox, they're really good. I know that I know the owner. He's a good company. They're like, oh, okay. And they're like really looking like serious. And I'm like, hey. And I say, he's also me. <laughs> and that's always the biggest laugh and joke. And they're like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, we need to reach out. So whether that's ethical or not, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's ethical because the other businesses are there. They're there on the list as well. I just say that this is mine. It seems like it's more so of a partnership, right? So mm-hmm. it was a partnership agreement. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jason doesn't mind. It's there. Yeah. So And his actual rule, his only one rule to it was it's like you can't be the only one. Got it. So, I mean, yeah. So it sounds like that owner, he understands the principles of not monopolizing the Mm -hmm. situation. So Mm -hmm. Just being fair. Yeah, being fair. Although life isn't fair and business always isn't fair. But just being, having that. Well, you get to do the pitch. So Exactly. (laughs) That's where where it's at. That's the loophole, right? (laughs) You get to pitch. So by default, if you're pitching, you're closing. So right, right. everybody else is kind of like, unless you jack up that pitch. Exactly. That's hilarious. So another question I have for you with that is, where do you want to be? Because, I mean, right now, like, you're working in your field, right? Mm-hmm. And you have your own business, and you're partnering the two, and you have some synergy going. But if you had to pick between them, which one would you ideally want to lean towards? Well, you're asking me. Do I do work for someone else or do I work for me, basically? Yeah, I mean, my particular viewer base are entrepreneurs and business owners, right? Right. And so you're like, you're in that middle of that cusp. And I think you're kind of like, one or the other is going to pull you sooner or later. Right. So right Right. now you have one that's kind of paying you on a routine basis. And you have another one that you're kind of playing with. But if the opportunity proceeds itself, that one could potentially outweigh everything else that you're doing currently. That is true. So I am an independent contractor. Mm-hmm. for the studio. Like, I'm not an employee. There's mm-hmm. no employees there. There's the owner and the independent contractors. Yeah. So basically, I'm I'm a consultant for the studio mm-hmm. that's there a lot. <laughs> and so, if you look at it that way, they're my biggest photography client. Got About half my income is them. So I guess the point would be when the ClickBox income rivals mm-hmm. Ambient's income. Well, I mean, if you stage in it that way, and this is just me just trying to give you like give me some game. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so my first question I'm going to ask you is, are they paying you or are they paying your company? Whose name is on the check? The company. So it's going to your company, it's not going to you. It's a personal check. Well, okay. So you're about to get on me now for real because I don't have. I'm not an LLC, S corp, all that mm-hmm. stuff. I'm a sole proprietor, so yes, it, it's all one and the same. Input hand hand choke. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get my stuff together, and then yes, it'll be paying the company. The company pays mm-hmm. me, but since I'm a, still a sole proprietorship, it just all comes to me. 
Yeah, but I mean, even and then I do my taxes. I spill, you know, do all that stuff. Right? Yeah, you itemize out. Yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying that from the viewpoint that you just gave me, you're looking at it as more so as a B two B partnership. Mm-hmm. So you have to remove yourself from that equation and make it a B two B partnership. That way, the other thing I'm going to talk to you about is essentially you're saying that you're still doing some of the, the click work, right? Mm-hmm. Couldn't you outsource some of that? I could, but I don't make enough money to outsource that. One to outsource some of it, mm-hmm. if I'm understanding what you're saying mm-hmm. correctly. To get someone else to do some of the things that I do, I would have to pay them something. Yeah. But that's money that I can't almost 100% have myself. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's cheaper for me to do that. I need to do that. Yes and no. Okay. Oh. Yes, it seems like that because you're getting the instant gratification of that money coming in. So for every one hour you work, you get $100. But that's one-on-one and that's one hour of time that you have to put into it, right? Mm-hmm. Versus if you do three hours worth of time. And you pay three people fifty dollars an hour, then you make a hundred and fifty dollars. And you keep multiplying, and you keep multiplying, keep multiplying. You don't have to pay them the full amount. You just got to find somebody that's willing to do the job for less than what you're getting paid. Mm-hmm. And if they're satisfied with that, then you find more people like them and you scale it. And that way, you're not doing one job now. Now you're doing five, six, ten, twelve, thirteen, fourteen true, jobs true. Yep. at the same rate, mm-hmm. or if not even more. And you're eating off of all of them. So if you're eating off of ten jobs. At a 50% break, 10 times 50 is what? Yeah, that's a lot of money, man. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm just saying that if you want to look at it from a business standpoint and, you, mm-hmm. and you're going into that business space, then I would say right now I think you're at that point, And I think you're a great person to be on the show because I think you're at that boiling point of, okay, I've been doing this, I've been doing this, and I've been making money, and I've been building this, and I have my own company, but how do I step away from it and scale it? Mm-hmm. and not keep treading. You know what I'm saying? You, right. you understand the money quadrant, right? right? The left right. side versus the right side. Right. And right now you're on the left side. Mm-hmm. And I am actually, in the last two years, able to do that, to actually do what you're saying. Because mm-hmm. in the photography, I can't, because people hire me for my for my eye. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I love the way you shoot. I love how you got this detail. I love the headshots that you got for this. They love that. And I can't go and give that to somebody else. I can't, no offense to Noah over here. Mm-hmm. I can't say, hey, Noah, go shoot this thing for me. Mm-hmm. Because while he might do a good job shooting it, it's not the same way I would have shot it. Mm-hmm. And the client may or may not like that. So yeah. that, there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the click box, it is something you set up. Oh, hell yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> and that's very scalable. Yeah. So, so I understand what you're saying. I can do that. And, but I just started that, really. Like, I've been doing this photography, and then I'm like, wait a minute. I can buy into this thing with some equipment and then start here. But it's endless. The possibilities are endless. I could just go. And this is the th- I actually just came back from Vegas a couple of uh, a week and a half ago. It was my third year going out there for nice. a, a photo booth convention. Mm-hmm. I actually don't believe I'll go back next year unless I'm paid to. Uh, (laughs) But uh, it's not something you need to go every year, basically. Some people do as a party aspect. and I would say go every year, man. You're going to meet somebody new every single time you go. Yeah, you're right. I met met some good other owners uh, this year. Yeah, it's just the cost of doing business. Just look at it as a... a, It is is that. That's all it is. It's all itemized down, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, shoot. I'm about to get in trouble. Actually, he just sips on... on what, what are we drinking on right now? Douce. Douce? Douce out of my Conjure glasses. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened to Ludacris and Conjure, but uh, I still have my autograph bottle, so... <laughs> Unopened. Anyways, as we 
digress to alcohol. And Noah's supposed to have been had his glass. It's been sitting here. Oh, yeah, he's going to get that. He's going to sip on that. <laughs> so what do you see yourself in 20 years, ideally? Doing the same thing I'm doing now? Smarter. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to have to get a job where I'm punching the clock and, and all of these things. I like being able to be hired to go and photograph and, and capture moments. Mm. Um, I like going to various events, doing my photo booth. That's about it. I mean, in 20 years, doing the same thing, like I said, just less. At this, I mean, 20 years from now, so I'm old. I feel like I'm old. I'm 42. So in 20 years, I'll be 62. I don't think I would like to be lugging equipment around here and there. But owning the company and, mm-hmm. like you said, that scalability you're talking about, having people do that. And I'm mm-hmm. just, you know, I'm running the back end computer stuff and maybe the phone calls and emails. But I'm sending people out and they're doing that. So basically, just having a successful photography business and a photo booth business. So what words of wisdom do you have for up-and-coming entrepreneurs that are following in your footsteps? Photographers, people that want to start up their own photo booths, even possibly running a studio. I mean, I guess that goes back to what you asked earlier. You said, um, you asked me, what would you tell someone to, what was that question? Like you said, what information do they need to know to have them skip some steps? Um, Something to that effect. Um, And basically, you got to know what it is that you want. But after that, whatever money and budget that you have, mm-hmm. buy the equipment that you can buy, rock it out on that equipment, mm-hmm. upgrade, rinse and repeat in this particular industry. Because, you know, you're always going to feel slightly inferior with your equipment. Like, oh, I don't have the Sony A4. I only have the Canon 7D <laughs> or whatever, you know. And then and the Sony, I probably said the Sony name wrong because I'm not a Sony guy, but... No, it is, so I'm learning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have the 5D Mark IV, and I upgraded about two and a half, three years ago mm-hmm. from the 7D. And the 7D was killing me every time I had an event or having to do anything with low light because its ISO doesn't go up high enough. Mm-hmm. It gets Well, it does go up high. It just gets really grainy really fast. If you don't mind slipping, what is ISO? I don't know what it actually stands for. International but how does something it, or what, what does it do? But, but what, what does it do? It do? But yeah, it, yeah. So basically you can change the value of the ISO. The lower that number, the uh, tighter the grain, the more crisp your image looks. Mm-hmm. The higher that number, the more grain that you see in your image, the more uh, like film grade it'll start looking. And all of that is about what your level of acceptances is like, oh, I like this. This is what I like. Mm-hmm. This is my style. If your style is shooting at 32 ISO, 3200 ISO. Like a, a film grain. Right? Yeah, yeah. If, and if that's your style to shoot mm-hmm. 3200 uh, 3, ISO or 6400 ISO, great. Do your thing. But not all things can be done that way. Yeah. yeah. Like, one, you don't want to do headshots. Yeah, I was about to say headshots. You don't want to yeah, you don't do headshots any higher than a certain ISO. Yeah, you make poor um, stuff looking like craters, man. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so you can be in a low-life situation. Mm-hmm. I get a, a, I have a cigar bar as a client and that's a very low light situation. Mm -hmm. So I crank up the ISO. It works in that situation because Mm -hmm. it gives you that mood. That film noir. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it just depends on what it is that you're looking for in your ISO. But basically the lower that ISO, the tighter that grain, Mm -hmm. which also means you'll have to open up. Oh, see, you have to start to talk about shutter speed and, and aperture. (laughs) <laughs> but but <laughs> the, the, you need to understand ISO, shutter speed, aperture. Okay. And then fourth, you'll need to understand 
the speed of your lens. So if your lens is a 2.8 lens or is a 1.4 or 1.2 or even a 5.6, like you need to know the limitations of your lens. Uh, I guess the fifth thing would be your camera. Mm-hmm. Know its limitations. And then you manipulate all of the photos with ISO, shutter speed, aperture. It's funny that you said that because the one thing that you would think from a photographer that they would mention 30 years ago would be film. Yeah, well, you don't need that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's <laughs> that's not like... a thing. <laughs> well, because, the okay, so film, the different types of film mm-hmm. back then when they were using it, and film is still out there, oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, I don't use it that much. But the types of film that you would use mm-hmm. would give you the types of effect that you want. So, for instance, I'm talking about tight grain and no grain, basically. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use a 50-speed or, or a 100-speed portrait or Velvia slide film. That's really tight grain. That's real crisp. Mm. Looks real good. But, you know, if I'm going to shoot something at night, dark, let me go ahead and get me some of that, I don't know, Ilford 3200 or, or Kodak T-Max 3200 or something like that. Um, I don't think it even goes higher than that. See, I think what you just did is you just give so much value that you, you don't even realize it. You just explained the difference between having a digital camera and having film. And the correlation between the numbers and the value of ISOs versus the speed of the film. Right. Which most people wouldn't even be able to understand what the hell you were talking about to begin with. (laughs) But you just paired the two together. You see what I'm saying? (laughs) It's like 20 years ago it was like this, but it's like this now. So your digital cameras can still get you the same effects essentially as film. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So the other question I have for you is um, where can people find you? Facebook, Instagram? I am... um, Facebook and Instagram. I use Facebook, and you're going to totally insert neck choke. Is that what yeah, it was? Yeah, insert neck choke. Yeah, I, I use Facebook more for family, friends. I don't use it for business. I use Instagram for business. Yeah, makes sense. Um, Photo. And I have my website. So my website is www.paulmcpherson.com. Mm-hmm. My Instagram is paulmcphersonjr.com. Was well, paulmcphersonjr.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, not .com, but Instagram handle. And you could find me on Facebook if you just search my name, Paul D. McPherson Jr. And then you could also find Paul McPherson Photography, the fan page or the mm. business page. This is uh, where the I'll, transcriptions come in really handy. Yeah, <laughs> see, yeah, that's the transcription stuff. But that, but see, on the transcriptions, mm. like that's what you would put, and not very much. Oh, you'd be having these long. <laughs> Fifteen hundred word people. Want, <laughs> I got one that's seventeen thousand words that I haven't posted yet. But you know, people want the detail. Man. They want so, the detail. Yeah, you're right. So have that in, in the in the description, and then also my photo booth is the Clickbox. T H E C L I Q U E B O X dot com. Uh, that's the website, and it's the Clickbox on Instagram. Uh, I think I have a Facebook. I don't think I ever use it though. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus question. <laughs> Crazy man. <laughs> All right, this is the bonus question, and I got two of them. I don't know about it. maybe we have time to ask you both. So one of them is, if you could spend twenty four hours with anybody uninterrupted, who would it be, dead or alive, and why? Twenty four hours uninterrupted with who anybody. Would it be yeah. anybody, dead or alive. I am a victim of recency bias, so <laughs> I would probably say Kobe Bryant right now. Okay, I mean that man is very or was. Very determined in all things. And I keep hearing these stories that are coming out now after his death and things like that. And I, I would like to sit down and talk to him for a while. But so why, how, did, why? how did you do this and how did you do that? And, you know, you're supposed to shut up and dribble, but yet you got an Oscar over here. You're writing books. 
professionally, those questions. Personally, I mean, you're this famous girl dad. I have a son, but you're this famous dad. Talk to me about, like, tips. <laughs> like, give me some tips on how to do this or how to do that or just little things here and there. Mm-hmm. Again, and I know this about myself, so I'm definitely victim to recency bias. So I would, that's probably who I would say. Mr. Current Events. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Other one would be, if you could be a superhero, who would it be and why? Oh, not the superpowers, but what yeah. what specific superhero? Yeah, superhero. You could pick a power. I mean, the power mm-hmm. is a implementation of a superhero, so. I guess. I do like superheroes. I do like the yeah. superhero movies. That's why I had to ask you both questions. I mean, I'm surprised you're not going to go right uh, to Star Wars, right? I was literally thinking, like, I feel like I'd like to be more Jedi-ish mm-hmm. than an actual superhero, but. Um, you got to tell people your obsession with Star Wars. I mean, it's. It's, it's not it's not an obsession. Well, yeah, maybe it is. It is. It's a hobby. It's what I like. Some people like Pokemon. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, so uh Star Disney, Wars Disney buys Pokemon and then they start having Pokemon inside of Star yeah, Wars movies. Yeah. yeah. But no, I, I mean I really like Star Wars. I like the stories. It's traditional good versus evil mm-hmm. kind of situation. Sometimes you feel for the evil. Like the entire Skywalker saga is is about feeling for the evil guy. Once you know the entire story, not the yep. first three that were released, but once you know the first three, then then the next three, then the last Nine, three, yeah. like you're like, oh, you know. And especially when you're watching the Clone Wars, which I just finished watching, rewatching, like Anakin, it's his obsession, Anakin Skywalker, like that's the dude. He is. I mean, he was great as a Jedi. He was great as a Sith. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's a podcast I listen to. They talk about the Gray Jedi and how he does the main guy. He doesn't really like the concept of the gray Jedi, but I'm notoriously in the middle a lot. Like politically, I'm kind of in the middle. So I'm probably say... more conservative, but I'm closer to the middle. And so I like the idea of being a gray Jedi mm. being, you know, if I'll use a bad thing, if I need to, but main, but I'm mainly a good. So, so you just made up a whole new Jedi. Um, that's not new. It's a thing. If <laughs> it's you Google a thing. It, I know. You, if you thing. Google it, it's a but thing. To the common audience. <laughs> They're like, what the hell is a great Jedi? <laughs> Did I miss episode 15? <laughs> like, I would say a good character would be Ahsoka Tano. That she's basically a great Jedi. They haven't defined her as such. Mm-hmm. But she's basically that. Great Jedi. Mm-hmm. So now it's I, like I, good, I but know. I'll do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And Anakin was basically a great Jedi until he actually turned to the dark side. All the way to the dark side. All the way. Who went all the way. Wanted to save Padme and didn't. Yeah. Crazy, man. Yeah. But I definitely appreciate you coming on the show, man. It was definitely <laughs> a good time. All right. Well, I appreciate you having me. Again, I think I told you, I was just like, I think I'm going to be the least successful person you interview. But sure, I'll be here. Just let me know. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I get these different things about people that I invite on the show. And, and every once in a while, like the last show I recorded, he was a director of technology as a teacher, and he was like, I didn't know why you wanted me on the show. And I'm like, well, guy, you're influencing the next generation of the next entrepreneurs up and coming, and your philosophies are going to roll over in 20 years. So, I mean, obviously everything that I'm doing has a reason behind it, and I think today's show was more so giving you insight to your business and what you're sleeping on. Mm-hmm. And you have opportunity to grow and scale it if you just go ahead and do it. You're right. (laughs) And what we have not talked about this whole time Mm -hmm. is I do have a bit of laziness in me. 
Mm-hmm. And I know you know this. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes the lazy just the laziness just wins. Like as long as I'm making my bills or doing this mm-hmm. That's that great Jedi man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I know. I just gotta get to work, put my head down, do my work and look up about oh shoot, I'm making money. Oh shoot, we got a new house. Oh shoot, whatever, whatever, yep. whatever. So get down, grind, look up and maybe enjoy a little bit. Get back down and grind. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, well I appreciate you. We've been knowing each other for a long time, so I appreciate you yeah. bringing me out. This is great for those people who don't know Chanel. Oh, he says S.A. Grant. S.A. Grant. He's notoriously private. If you get inside his house, you're like in that, that lucky few. Um, and and I like seeing your growth, sir. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncage. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to become an uncaged trailblazer. If this podcast helped you, please email me about it. Submit additional questions you would love to hear me ask our guests and or drop me your thoughts at asksagrant.com. Post comments, share, hit subscribe, and remember to become a Boss Uncaged, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss Uncaged are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful book, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.sagrant.com slash boss uncaged.